Hey everybody, welcome back. It's the Smart Party Kamonacha over Easter where we are. By the time you're listening to this, it might be another Easter. I don't know where I'm going with that. <laughs> People can listen to these when they like, can't they? Hello, guys. You can resurrect them like the saviour after three days if you wish. Or just listen to them straight away. Yes. <laughs> hello, hello, Baz. Hello, hello, hello. Oh, dear. Right, Ray's dead. That's a segue. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, let's carry on with this podcasting lark shall we so um, yes so thank you all before we start thank you for the feedback for our last episode which is our cutting edge foray into the worlds of Dungeons and Dragons I think I've got the name of that game right it's uh, yeah, it, yes it's Dungeons yep, yep. and Dragons yeah just checking yeah uh, a little known role playing game we thought we ought to cover after all this time um, it turns out it's got fans there's quite a few of them and some of them have been in touch so that's really gratifying so thank you for that guys um, so off the back of that, uh, I thought it might be nice for our topic today to look at stuff from slightly on the other side of the screen. So there's been a, a massive, massive surge of new players into the role-playing hobby over recent years, largely thanks, I think, to stuff like 5th edition D&D. And what happens when you get a massive surge of players? I think a little while down the track, you should get a massive surge of new GMs. So it strikes me that um, that GMs are a good thing for the hobby, but it's been a perennial problem in the hobby that it seems like it's quite a large bar to get over. And I'm sure that I hope that there's loads of people listening who either are or know someone who is just about thinking about maybe running a game, GMing for the first time. What can we do? What can we say to encourage them to do that? And more importantly, have we got practical tips and tricks to get them behind their screen whether virtual or not rolling some dice making up some numbers and having some good times of their own so that's the topic for today guys well one can only hope we do have some useful tips and tricks let's find out <laughs> if they worked in the 70s they work in the 21st century i'm sure nothing's different is it seems legit <laughs> so where we started baz if, if you were a new D kid on the block does the DMG or something like that even give you a starting point on, on how to do this, or are you just supposed to buy scenarios and, and run it as written? Yeah, well, it's a bit of both, isn't it? So um, if you're into your D&D, and, and, and there's no reason why you shouldn't be, by the way. I, I, one of my very first suggestions to anybody if you're going to run a game is, well, why not play some D&D? Everyone else is doing it. You'll get players. It's a rule set that everybody kind of knows. It's kind of like, you know, it's kind of like playing with Windows on your first laptop. Why wouldn't you? You could be contrarian mm. and go off and do something different, but you know there's space for that maybe later on. Just get some D and D under your belt. You know you'll be speaking the same language as everyone else then. And um, yeah, how do you go about how do you go about DMing because that's what D and D GMs are called. How do you go about dungeon mastering from scratch if you've never done it? Yeah, you could drop uh, you could drop a few quid on the Dungeon Master's Guide. Um, the Dungeon Master's Guide for Five E is a book I really like actually. It's it's not an essential. Um, there's hardly a rule in it. Uh, but it is it is literally a guide for dungeon masters, uh, but it's not the rule book for dungeon masters. It is it's a guide, and it's more like a hacker's guide to the fifth edition system. It is full of good stuff that shows you how to build worlds, build dungeons, build adventures, build non-player characters, treasures, and loads of ways of sort of tinkering with the engine underneath the hood to make it do things that you want to do. But from that perspective, I'm going to say it's quite an advanced manual. And I think right. it's probably fairly old school for some someone to just go and and drop that kind of money on a hardback book. I'm going to assume that people have played before they want to DM, and that's cool. So they'll have some idea of what to do. 
But That's, don't the um, kids these days go to YouTube? Is that not what they do instead? Yeah, yeah. There's quite a lot of the old uh, Twitch and YouTube was mentioned a few times down the cast over recent weeks, but it seems to be really prevalent. So that is a way of doing it. And also playing before you run is not a bad call. The only note of caution I've got for people is don't watch something or your favourite channel or get in a game with someone and think that that's the only way you can run a game. True. Which it can be the first time you try anything, you watch someone else do it and think that's the way it's supposed to happen. Um, and I think the thing with DMing, GMing, refereeing, umpiring, keepering, whatever you want to call it, is that there's a multitude of different styles. And we've got to the learned stature we are now by actually playing games with lots of different people and picking up a tip or trick from quite a variety of them. So, um, yeah, definitely like see how other people are doing it and test the waters by playing a few games. But don't feel married to anything that you see or experience or think that one person's got the only true way to game or run a game because uh, mm. there's lots of different ways of doing it and you'll find something that fits for you after a while. But, yeah, I mean, don't, if you're worried about starting purely from scratch, having just read a player's handbook or whatever your game system is that you've picked up, definitely have a look at what, how other people are doing it. But I'd probably suggest trying to get a little bit of variety rather than just picking one guy or gal mm. and saying, oh, this guy must know what they're doing, I'm going to copy what they do. Yeah, I think um, I wanted to address some conceptions because they're not even necessarily misconceptions, but there's definitely some preconceptions out there for people who haven't GM'd. I've, I've tried to catch up with a few people who, who I know are players, have played, are play curious, but have never stepped up to GM, and I kind of asked them why they didn't. And the thing with watching other people GM is there's a sense that you're seeing like the swan on top of the water but that that mm. gm has got an awful lot of stuff going on underneath the river that you can't see and that might be like loads of knowledge about the rules that's a big one that comes up like don't you need to know all the rules and or that they've had to do an awful lot of prep and um that's all happens behind the scenes or in advance of the game itself and and they've got to memorize lots of stuff and they've got to do this and do that so you know watching other people gm the sense I get from people who don't GM is they go, well, that's only a little bit of it. And, and, and even that bit looks intimidating, but I don't even know how they got to sit in that chair because surely there's all this other stuff that's got to happen first. Have they got a point? Um, yes, to a degree. I think this takes us back to kind of when we went to Gen Con for the first time mm -hmm. and we were worried that it was going to be the Olympics of role-playing and would we be good enough and that sort of thing. I think until you've tried something, you can look at it and think, I don't I don't even know how to begin. Am I going to be anywhere near good enough? What will happen when I get behind my GM screen and try and offer something to someone else? And in many ways, I think it's the, the sort of fear of the unknown or the that anxiety of uh, what might happen when you've never done it before that's probably a little bit of a barrier for some people. Mm -hmm. uh, and actually giving it a go is probably... It's like going in a cold river or something like that, I guess. And you keep dipping your toe in and then like dancing around it. The, it's more the fear of jumping in that's keeping you at bay and once, you, once you're into it up to your neck within a couple of seconds you sort of suddenly feel a lot better about the whole experience Yeah. Um, so yeah I, I don't know but it's tough I mean there's obviously people who are different in how confident they are generally in social situations and that sort of thing uh, certainly one thing I'd, I'd recommend starting out uh, when you're quite new to it is letting people know that you are and just sort of saying look I've done this before so I've given it a bit of a crack mm. you might need to help me out or bear with me and I think that's something that we've got more of a handle on now in the more enlightened times that we are rather than when we started because there tended to be the GM has to provide all the fun as a as a kind of mantra in the early days of role playing and certainly D&D &D. 
And mm. I think these days people have got more accustomed to the idea that it's up to the players to bring some of that fun to the table as well. So there's nothing wrong with starting out and going, look, I'm new to this. You need to like treat treat this first game with generosity, but also I'm relying on you guys to help me out so we can all have a good time. I think get, getting everybody involved in making a group activity rather than worrying that you're isolated on your own is probably a good stepping stone to, to getting on the right track. Yeah. See, yeah, I, I agree with you, mate. I think GMing is actually quite an intimidating thing. I think it is quite tough. I think it's incredibly rewarding. Bloody, 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 blah. And that's why I do it. However, I don't think that GMing, the tough bit of GMing is what other people think the tough bit of GMing is. I think once you're sat down and the game is go, you know, after 10 seconds, that's not actually the tough bit. That Because that's having a conversation with like-minded people and making stuff up. That's no different to being a player in so mm. many different ways. And as you say, if you've got everybody doing the buy-in, as you should expect these days, then that's not the tough bit. But that's the bit that everybody sees and thinks, oh, I don't know if I could do that. But I think the, the, the tough bits are the bits that are underestimated. And I think, you know, some of the basics that maybe we can give some advice on here is um, is about is about that stuff that happens, you know, underneath the swan in the river. So, yeah. for example, you're going to need some players. Where the hell do you get those from? How do you actually go about If you've decided you're going to run a game, you're going to need some people to run it with. I mean, there's a few ingredients in running a game. You know, we'll maybe come <laughs> on to that. You know, you need an adventure to run. You need a, you know, you might need some dice. There's there's some basic logistical stuff, but the biggest pain in the bum, even for any of us who are experienced, is is getting a group. And if you've never run before, well, you know, I hate to break it to you, but yeah, actually, you're probably going to have to be a bit of a social secretary as well, because it will be your idea to run this game largely. I'm sure there are some groups of players out there who are kind of like pushing someone forward, going, go on, run a game for us, run a game for us. But actually, most of the time, you you've, you might have dabbled a bit, you might have seen some online stuff, but you, you really are going to have to just tell the world you want to run a game. And then some people are going to say yes. And <laughs> my advice would be, get some friends. <laughs> do it with your mates, first of all, you know. If you're going to bust your gaming cherry, do it with your buddies, and and you know what it might be, because because it's going to feel a little bit awkward because it's your first time. It just is, and you can either have your first time with complete strangers, or you could do it with some people that you can all have a laugh with, and uh, and you know them, and and you've done other stuff together before, haven't you? You've been to gigs, you've you know you've mm. gone to pubs, you've been to the cinema, you've you've got stuff in common. That's why you're mates. And you can be a bit more upfront with them and go, listen, I fancy trying this thing out. And some of them might be into it already, some of them might not. But, you know, I'm not saying you're going to get an easier ride off them, but it is just going to feel a bit more natural and you'll be comfortable and confident. And that's half the battle. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I wouldn't discount uh, finding people elsewhere these days, given the internet and all the rest of it. Uh, what I've found that is, if you join the right communities, then you can get people who are up for just trying to help out because they like that community so if it was D&D for example uh, I'm pretty sure you could find a big group either on one of the major forums or on G Plus or wherever and say look I'm, I've not done any running before but I want to try running a game uh, does anybody now to play this game I just wouldn't mind helping out being my test players yeah. uh, and I'm sure you get some experienced players who'd be happy to play with you to give you that experience of uh, learning how to run a game a little bit and perhaps give you a bit of mm -hmm. feedback if you wanted it afterwards and I think that's the beauty of where we are now with internet gaming and all the rest of it, you can do that but when we were lads you had to put a little a postcard in the post office window saying like game is wanted and hope you didn't get weirdos reply or maybe you hope that weirdos <laughs> would reply because they like D&D &D, but 
you know, today there's much bigger resources out there and pools of people. So uh, if you're upfront about what it is you want or what your abilities are or what you're not feeling comfortable about, generally speaking, there is a big enough community available by the internet to give you some support in trying to do the thing you want to do. Hmm. Word. Okay, so grab some players. Um, do you need an adventure? Uh, for the love of God, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, where do you get one of those things? Because that is the that is honestly, if you spend any time on in any D and D community, whether it be on Facebook or whatever, that's the question that comes up most often: is which adventure should I buy? Where should I start? It's not a bad question, is it? What you know? What what's your immediate instinctive answer to to that question, then, guys? And I think that's again where we leverage the power that the internet has provided us, um, and it's asking what is a good intro adventure or what's a good first time adventure. Because if you say what's a good adventure, I guarantee you'll get a bunch of people telling you what they think their best adventure is. Mm-hmm. Um, but you, so you really need to narrow it down, otherwise people will just not listen or answer the question properly. So yeah, certainly for D and D, the stuff when I picked up Cthulhu Seventh again, I've got many editions of Cthulhu, uh, and some people wanted me to run some games. I went straight to the internet, even though I'm a, an experienced German, I've run Cthulhu many many times. Uh, I just sort of thought, well, I don't know. I don't know what the new thing is because I've played it so often and I've been through so many campaigns and whatever else. So I went to the camp to the uh, internet and just said, so if I'm running for some new people, what would you suggest? And of course, I got twelve different answers because like there'd be no consensus. Everybody's got their own opinion, but it did give me some starting points to go and have a look. So I think that's definitely something to do. Look at published works. the The pitfall is, to a certain degree, is that not all published material is good. Sorry to, to drop that spoiler out there and apologies to all the <laughs> games companies who are now lamenting the millions of dollars of revenue because I've said some published adventures aren't good. But but some aren't. Some aren't. Uh, and it's worth getting some reviews or uh, watching a playthrough of an adventure maybe because that happens now as well. If you've got a, a team that are doing playthroughs on Twitch, you could actually watch the game being played and think if, if you like the feel of the adventure that's happening or not. Um, mm. But yeah, certainly... Um, it's certainly worth getting a published adventure or two to have a look at to give you some ideas even if when you run the game you decide you're not going to read it strictly as is and just take some good ideas from it and run your own thing that's perhaps stream, streamlined or cut down or expanded in some way in the sort of way that you want to run a game or think you might want to if you're giving it a go um, again it's a bit bit pick and mix I think um, there's some good, there's some bad out there and everyone's got their own opinion about which one of those two camps something will fall into mm. Yeah, it's. Um, I don't think it's. Uh, I don't think it's something that the gaming industry has ever truly cracked, is the ability to present an adventure for sale to its public. Um, now, clearly, people have run loads of published adventures, and and you've got you know thousands of choices, no matter what game system you're into, because you know you can just upload anything in these days. But do you know what? They're hard work. I've run loads of published adventures, far more than I've ever run stuff of my own. Um, and it was only recently that I realised how much time it was taking me making notes, making it my own, reading the damn thing, um, that that time might have been more effectively spent just writing up my own stuff that was designed to fit with the players I had around my table. Um, so as much as they can they can exist as a great example, um, very few people run adventures word for word out of books or magazines or internet stuff. So there's always going to be some customization stuff. Um and just due to the very nature of role-playing games, there, there, there can't possibly be a scripted adventure that can cater for 
every eventuality that that players are going to want to do or that you're going to want to do so my counsel actually might even be by all means have a little look at some stuff but don't be too precious about it i mean if you are mm. getting into D, you'll be asked to to spend 35 40 quid on a hardback adventure path book if you're going to go with something from wizards of the coast they're very nice they're all a bit different some of them are better than others but they're all a massive investment of time because you'll be asked to read 300 pages of stuff um, and you'll be asked to buy a campaign that takes you up to level 20 and could take in excess of a year to run through that's a big ask for yourself if you've never GM'd anything before so I'd set my sights way 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 smaller and I would say offer to GM and don't have an adventure I think the first (laughs) session should be you and your mates or you and your online people and the first thing you should do is you could all generate some characters and that's that's a bit of a you know in some ways it's not that newfangled anymore loads of games suggest that but you know what that works for all games don't tie yourself into loads and loads of stuff give yourself huge expectations don't be too ambitious you know start by getting a group of characters together um, some games make that the very first session by default that's in the rules that might be powered by the apocalypse games often do that where you have to follow the characters around in their hometown for a day some fake games cannot run without the group generating characters together realistically but even in good old fashioned D&D just get some players and generate some characters together you will get some stuff out of that which I'm sure we'll cover later in the cast but that would be what I would do uh, I think that's fair. I'd still want some material to run, even if it's a really uh, slender set of encounters or something like that. I think once you've made some characters, it's really useful to uh, sort of break your cherry on the rolling the dice thing. One of the old-fashioned things we used to do back in there was create some characters and then have a pretend fight between them just to kind of see how yep. the abilities worked and that kind of stuff, which you could still do today if you wanted to. But I think if you're if we're talking about like advice for a GM and making or a GM making them feel more comfortable, it's probably worth them running something they've got for some people. So I think you're right. You could you could happily take up say half the session with making the characters, and I think you could have a half session just starting them off down the road of an adventure or scenario or something, uh, even if it's just a couple of encounters or something, just to get you used to the idea of how that works and how it, how you play NPCs or what you do when there's a fight in the game or something like that. I think it's definitely worth breaking some of the system out and doing some stuff with it rather than just making characters in isolation. Mm. Yeah, cool. Okay, so my, my piece of advice then, if you're going to have some adventure stuff ready to go, is to keep it really simple. Mm. Um, however, simple does not mean unsophisticated. And uh, simple doesn't even mean simple half the time, to be honest. But you know that that bit where you've watched GMs, where you've watched them on YouTube, or you've watched them in real life, and uh, and, a, and a massive story is unfolding. Um, watch carefully, because a lot of the time the GM isn't making that story happen. The GM is just reacting to the stuff around the table. Any GM, go and ask any GM if the adventure that actually happened on that night bears any relation to their notes, and they'll go no it started off that way but absolutely not and and that's because there is a, a, one of the conceptions is how do I start being a, a GM of something if I've got to write a whole world a whole setting and I've got to be as good as a novel writer with plots and NPCs and all this and all that you know that seems like an awful lot of work before I even begin because I, obviously I have to have all of that ready the answer is you don't the the best adventures are certainly when you're starting out let's say you're playing a fantasy game is you know what rescuing a princess is not a bad idea 
being in a caravan that comes under attack by bandits is not a bad idea. Having to go and winkle the ogre out of the cave because it's marauding around the village is a perfectly good idea. There's nothing wrong with those plots. They sound really, really simple. But then when you stick half a dozen players in front of that plot, it will come out really, really complicated. It will come out quite sophisticated. And all of the roleplay stuff and the colour and the flavour, that's to be provided by everybody. If you're the only one providing the the flavour, the story, the narration, the events, you take up being a novel writer because that's not really how role-playing games should work. So I'd say for your, from your point of view as a new GM, keep it really simple. A, B, C. That'll do you. And then the players will put in E, F, G and H and it'll all be in a different order. And you'll, <laughs> you, you'll, get, you'll get an interesting session out of it. No problem at all. It, it, won't be, it won't be because your plot wasn't labyrinthine enough. You don't have to be George R. R. Martin behind the screen, and you absolutely shouldn't be. You should go with really simple, almost ridiculously basic plots, and just have a few of those and a couple of things, a couple of things in your back pocket. I guess we'll come on to that sort of thing as well. But just a couple of situations, and the rest of it, it's like lighting the touch paper. It will go. Yeah, I was going to say one of the things I was thinking of is really don't add more answers to you again add questions so a sort of something that some people can do is try and work out how the session is going to go and then write everything with the assumption that the players are going to follow this path and then how things will unfold based on what they're going to do when they see it and all the rest of it and as you're mm. kind of alluding to like there's nine times out of ten they will not do that thing they will go off in a different direction they'll find someone behind the bar more interesting than the mysterious stranger at the corner they're supposed to be having a conversation with and all that kind of stuff so it's worth having something very simple and the devil's in the detail is adding some extra questions in there without knowing how they will unfold that'll make mm. it easier for the other players to interact so if you have stuff like um i read one in the, one of the, the deadlands books recently actually it's um it just starts out with a stagecoach and the players are all on there and uh, there's, there's a bit of a trap being laid the stagecoach overturns and the players are all inside and it's kind of what do they do? There's a bandit group outside, so they come out, you know, throw your guns out first and all that kind of stuff. What do you do? Do you ever cheat out? Do you just hide inside? All the rest of it. And the little wrinkle about it all is the players are quite safe in there, but the guy who was uh, riding shotgun and the, the driver himself, they're outside. And the bandit leader says, well, come out or I'm going to shoot these two guys. What do you do mm -hmm. now? And now it's not just about what the players are going to do. It's like there's that moral quandary about two of their lives are in their hands and, and so on and so forth. So instead of just having um, our merchant with his stuff and some orcs attack if you can add a little wrinkle like that to it an extra bit like the, the ox driver's been dragged off by goblins while you're busy fighting some other ones that makes it more interesting just gives it a little bit extra and it is like you say quite simple but just got that, that extra touch of sophistication an extra option or question or thing to think about rather than just bashing orcs or bandits or whatever it is that then makes it a bit more interesting it's when the players come up with how they're going to approach that extra wrinkle that you get some of the extra good stuff from role-playing. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Cause, and and the, players, the players want good stuff to happen. But what, what players really want is, and this is worth considering, is what the players want. You know, you've got to be quite selfless as a GM. In some ways, you've got to be a benevolent dictator. In yeah. other ways, you've got to be very, very selfless. Because you really have just, you know, my piece of advice would be just be a massive fan of the players. Or of the player characters, to be precise, just be a big mm. fan of them. You know, always think of think of reasons to to allow them uh, to do the kind of things they want to do. It doesn't mean mean you need to make it easy or anything else like that. But if all you ever do is go, no, you can't, no, you can't, no, you can't, or 
essentially i didn't think of that so no you can't or i'm not sure how that would work so can you do something different then you know your players would just stop offering you suggestions and then all of a sudden it becomes all your work to do and none of theirs so players players want want to be given dilemmas there's you know that's the one of the important parts of the game so just chuck in a few options chuck in a few choices and it's old-fashioned advice now but just end everything you say with what do you do or what happens next you know just always make sure you're asking a question of the players so you know describe your scene describe your what they can sense around them don't go on about it too long don't worry about trying to write a book and then just ask them what do you do um and then shut up because then someone will have to say something and <laughs> and 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 they won't say back to you what do you do because you're not really there you're the gm aren't you? <laughs> so that uh, that really is how you do it and you just you just keep spinning that plate so it's not like you have to have all of the answers in your head straight away. Yeah, you will have to do a bit of improvising. Yeah, that can seem a little bit scary. No, it isn't as hard as all that. The best thing you can have is a little bit of preparation to improvise. So, you know, have a bit of a think about how things might go. Don't be too precious about your plans. And make sure you've got a list of random names on a sheet of paper in front of you, because that's the hardest thing to improvise. If you've got a list of random names, there's not much you can't do. Mm. You'll be fine, because you're, you're a role player already. You've played it. You know how to come up with ingenious things and how to think around problems, how to be creative, how to be imaginative. Literally just be yourself and then say, what do you do to the other people? Yeah, and I think it's worth having some ideas. If you're given a little bit of thought to how things might go with, as, as we stressed, don't like being married to one particular course of action and all the rest of it. But if you think about how you might have approached it if you were a player or, or pre-thought how things might go in advance, it gives you the option then to offer something up to the players if they're new as well. Because we're talking as if the DM's new, new here and the players exactly know what they're doing and will be full of ideas, which might not be mm. the case. So it could be if you're a new GM, you might have new players as well and nobody quite knows what they're doing. So if you thought about it, you can probably have a couple of options of your own in mind. And if the players seem to be a bit stuck or not know what they're allowed to do or what they can do, you could then do a bit fighty fancy novel with them and just say, well, do you want to go after the, uh, the guys being dragged off into the forest? Do you think you should just go to the town for help like what sort of thing you fancy doing and if players are looking a little bit lost you can always offer them a couple of obvious choices and say what do you fancy doing mm. one of those two is something else and that then gives them at least something to start going on mm -hmm. yeah and I think um, this will be a hard thing to bear in mind during your first game so stick it on a post-it note or something just so that you do remember try not to try not to let them see behind the curtain too much mm. Players, players don't like that. In, in all honesty, players don't really like it. And you, and you probably didn't like it when you were a player too. They will, at some point, your adventure will probably go off of your script. Or you'll forget a rule. Or you'll make a mistake. These, these are all things that are going to happen. But you know what? Glide across that. If you can. If you can. Sometimes you just have to fess up and go, oh, guys, do you know what? <laughs> I've got myself, painted myself into a real corner here. Can we just take five, go and get a cup of tea while I reset? That, But that's quite an emergency hit the brake handle. Otherwise, you know, don't go, oh, right, oh, right. I really wasn't expecting you to go down there. Oh, okay. Well, let's say that there are, I don't know, three orcs arguing over a pie down there. Well, you know, well done for thinking on the spot, but just try and keep some of that stuff behind the screen because, you know, players can smell that kind of stuff and it just loses all its verisimilitude at that point. So get good at bluffing. Um, you're going to have to. <laughs> because you are going to be making stuff up but unlike a player 
that can sit there and go, oh, I don't know whether to use this attack or that attack or what do you think? And they can do that kind of out of character talk. You don't have that. So, you know, just pretend and bluff it and you'll be absolutely fine. But the players will really appreciate if you just kept up that little layer of verisimilitude all the time. Be it hard to do. Yeah, no, I'm a big fan of that. I think we probably need to mention rules at this point because you've sort of highlighted them a couple of times there. And um, if you read a lot of certainly convention German advice, people will tell you to never look stuff up in the rule book. You must make a decision there and then and abide by it and get on with the game because pace mm. is everything and you can't possibly break immersion. Um, well, I agree with that for certainly more experienced gems. If it's your first time and you can't think of what to do, you might have to look some stuff up. Uh, again, I'd recommend utilising players at this point. If somebody wants to do something that's off-piste, like use the grapple rules for no apparent reason, you can always make the players do that. You can say, do you know what? Didn't get around to those. Then You read them up on them. Here's the book. Uh, I'm just going to deal with Jeff now, and we'll see what he does, and I'll get back to you. You can tell me how grappling works. That kind of thing. Uh, it's mm -hmm. good if you can kind of skip over it's good to make decisions sometimes and say we're going to use this rule for now and then we'll check after the session and see whether that's right or not just to keep the game going and give a pace and momentum and keep the excitement up uh, but if you are new to it and certainly if your players are as well don't be frightened of like actually looking in the book if you need to just be conscious of time and don't spend half an hour doing it you know what I mean if it's taking you too long to find the rule it's often better just to skip over it and use something sensible and then come back to it at a later point but mm. I, I think a lot of advice can be like never even look at the rule book at a table and if you're new to it I, I don't think there's a massive problem with that as long as you make sure you're not just that's all you're doing yeah it's, look the whole thing's a learning game right if you if you were playing a board game and you had your mates come over to play a board game there, there'd be very little expectation that one person would just be the referee because that because everybody wants to play the board game no one wants to sit outside of it and just tell everyone else what to do and and it's the same with role-playing games. For your first session, your second session, maybe even your third one. Take it slow, take it easy, and why not look something up if you need to? You, you'll know whether it's relevant or not. And, and just look it up, because I don't see games grinding to a halt when someone takes the literally 10 seconds is all it takes when you've got like you know modern search facilities or a book with an index. It's not that hard to find. And these are for the rules-heavy games out there. Yeah, look it up, because guess what? If you needed to look it up now, you're going to need to look it up at some point. It's going to happen quite a lot. And I, and I think that I think you do need to know some rules. You do need to be pretty all right with where they are in the book. You don't need to have like an eidetic memory or anything else like that or instant recall. Nobody would expect that. But equally, I don't really want to rock up to a game where someone said they're going to GM for me and they've never read the rule book, because mm. I think that's a bit disrespectful too. So... Clearly there's a middle ground. Someone needs to know the rules, enough to keep the game going. And if you do need to check something or you've made a mistake, I think it's perfectly cool. And you know, I just said then, you know, just don't see don't 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 let the GM screen down too often. But I'm talking about that from a plot perspective or from a story perspective. When it comes to an opportunity attack, do you know what? It probably does matter that you get that one right if you're playing D D. It will certainly matter to the character who's trying to run past the troll that's guarding the doorway because you want to know for now and for the future and you've probably only got to look it up once because that character will remember it forever so take the time <laughs> look it up it's not a problem and and, I, and you're not going to have you are honestly not going to have the games police kick in the door and tell you that you paused too long and you're not going to have the players go well this is ridiculous you're at 22 seconds now I've been timing this where's my fun it's just not going to happen it'll be absolutely fine you know relax and, and it will happen happens to the best of us sometimes
and I can guarantee you, you will read a rule book many times. You will think you know it perfectly, and then as soon as you start playing, someone will ask you like, "Well, what if I want to do a second attack, or how do I assist mm-hmm. someone?" And your mind will go blank. You'll have read that rule ten times. You think you've known it when you read it because it made lots of sense and seem really easy. But with everything else you've got to remember, you're put on the spot, and there'll be something that you can't remember. It'll just happen. So prepare yourself for that, and don't worry about it when it happens because it will happen, and it happens to the yeah. embaz. It's probably due to Alzheimer's syndrome now more than anything, but. Yeah. It's a thing. Don't worry about it. Yeah, and this is why I genuinely do suggest that you spend, if not your whole session, then some of it creating characters along with everybody else, because most of the rules in any role-playing game are character-facing. It's you know, if you play a game like GURPS, it's almost entirely in creating characters. There's not much to it once you've got those ready, but that's a that's a big job. Um, in games like D and D, you you can totally outsource all the rules for the player characters to the players. It's fine. Yeah, you need to know how orcs punch people in the face, but they don't do it in the same way the players do. Let the players manage their own characters. After a few sessions and a few levels, you can't hold all that stuff in your head anyway. So don't even bother trying. And if it's a bit more of a lightweight system, if it's a bit more of a Savage Worlds or something like that, even the process of generating characters with the group will tell you the kind of things that you're going to need to know for future games. So if people are taking characters with special powers or Gadgeteer or something like that, then you want to at least be familiar with what that stuff is for the future and you're not going to have to worry about any of the stuff about like flying rules because nobody's going to be doing that and you don't intend to have flying in your campaign happy days so you know rule books for role playing games are pretty big um, but they are toolboxes and you don't necessarily need to be an expert in every single one of them but you do need to know which trade each particular screwdriver is in yeah, and I think you, you've touched upon one of the ways of building up your next scenarios there, haven't you? That if someone's yes. picked a cleric in your game, that probably means that at some point there'll be an undead involved, or there'll be something that's to do with their vows to their god, or something like that. Like You're going to build things up, whether you're using published adventures or adding your own bits in or making your own stuff from whole cloth. Anything mm. that's on that character sheet is something that the player's going to want to press at some time. If there was a thief, there better be like a chest to pick, or a tower to climb into or something like that you know what I mean It's, it's mm. they're really good adventure generators actually you don't have to sit there in isolation the things the players have put on the sheet are the things they're interested in happening so I'll make more of that for your future games yeah yeah absolutely okay so yeah it is um, there, there is a lot to it I think you know we're getting into the meat of it now There, there is some work you're going to have to do in advance you are going to have to know your game but not brilliantly. But you've got to know your game well enough to be confident in yourself because it gives you that confidence. You're going to need to have some idea of an adventure ready. Um, and that's probably a completely different podcast about how to generate that. But I would just say it's not nearly as hard as it looks. And if you are going to buy one off the shelf, you get a notepad because you're going to want to write it down in a way that you understand it. And you're going to want some people to play with. Okay, so you've got all of that, guys. What is holding a Neophyte GM back from gaming? What is holding them back from like really making this game happen? Could it be that they don't know how to portray NPCs or dialogue? I think that might be one of the obstacles. Is what what do we do about that? How do we how do we reassure people that they can do that? Buy a big box of outrageous hats is probably the way. <laughs> <laughs> and you can wear a different hat for every NPC. Uh, would be a way of doing it. It's not one I've tried, but there you are. Uh, so this is a weird one because different people uh, do this in different ways so if you watch some of the uh, Twitch streams or the YouTube channels 
uh, there's there's like some that are run by voice actors for example so they're very over the top hammy accents and you know it's all privy landlord may I have one of thy finest ales indeed they may sir and you don't need to speak like that to have a pint of beer bought in a tavern you know it's not don't worry about doing that uh, some people just don't want to do a voice they don't want to act like a different character they just want to, they don't want the uh, interaction they just want to roll persuade charm seduction whatever and get told that yes you do it so it's a bit of uh, trial and error possibly with your players you're going to have to give with this but I think our advice would be try something different for your NPCs to, to show that they are not you the person sat behind mm-hmm. the screen but that they are something else whether that's a slight mannerism whether it's a, a physical tick or something that you do to indicate that it's not you uh, or even if you do like hard intros and outros going the innkeeper says and then do the innkeeper says bit um, mm. it, it's one that you're going to have to feel your way around a little bit I think don't be frightened of um, trying some stuff out you may find some of it doesn't quite fly with the players that you've got that's alright you can dial it back or dial it up as necessary uh, but give things a go I guess I don't know what's, what's your take on that Bass uh, I, yeah, because it's it's personal preference, isn't it? Mm. Now, I mean, don't forget. I think if you're going to step into the GM's chair, you, I, I'm sure you have been a player. So, what did you like doing when you were a player? When you were a player, did you speak with an accent? When it was your turn to speak, or you wanted to do that? When you were a player, did you want to role play out the scene where you bought a beer in the pub, or were you quite happy for the group to just go, okay, so some gold you know some drinks happen let's get to the meat of the adventure mm. you'll, you'll have preferences now you should be yourself when you're gming you should absolutely be yourself and it's a bit like you know if you're putting on a dinner party for friends it is almost exactly like putting on a dinner party you get to choose the menu because you're cooking it so <laughs> if you you know if you want if you're the sort of person that likes putting on accents and getting into character and being a, a high fluting noble woman at one point and then a down and dirty bugbear torturer 10 minutes later and you've got different voices and postures and body language for those make that your game your players will love it if you play to your strengths if that's not your strength then find ways around it by talking in the third person uh, the bugbear growls at you mm. <laughs> that works yeah. it's really easy the nobleman um, uh, gives you a flowery speech um, and you're really impressed with it. That's that's absolutely fine. And then get to the bits that you do want to do, whether that be like you know fighting or whether it be like you know whatever it is that that floats your boat. The reason you wanted to get into gaming in the first place. But when it comes to to being NPCs, I think your advice is right there, guys. Is much like the rest of your adventure, you can't prejudge it too much, because we've all been there when a nothing interaction in our script becomes 45 minutes of really entertaining play mm. where it's a, it's a chat with the, the guards at the city gates becomes like the best part of the night and they had no characters or even names or anything but within 10 minutes one of them speaks a bit like Sean Connery and the other one sort of acts a bit like Nicolas Cage and, <laughs> and, and you know sometimes that's all you need by the way in your notes just put down like a real actor and it's enough to give you enough and that's great and, and you might have prepped up loads of stuff for the king who when they meet the king the players do a, a five second deal with them and go yep we'll take the mission yep cool where do we start and it's like well, but I've got all of this these mannerisms I haven't used yet save them <laughs> up use them somewhere else yeah yeah nothing's yeah. ever wasted 
you know, reincorporate, recycle, etc., 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 some NPCs, non-player characters, will blossom into the most important thing ever. If you let your players uh, capture a goblin in the first encounter in your scenario, you better be ready to role-play that goblin because they're going to insist on it. <laughs> I, I would guarantee it. And they won't give a monkeys about the princess that they had to get out of the tower. So, you know, this is this is advice for the whole thing. Um, you know, they will spend ages tinkering with the door that leads to the broom cupboard, but they will blithely charge in through the door that leads to the dragon's lair. That's just the nature of role-playing games. So, yeah, it is. use the bits you enjoy, um, play to your strengths, get a sense of the room. Again, if you take my advice and you're playing with mates, you'll get a sense for it. If they, if they say... Um, I, I go up to the bar and I, I, I want to look at the menu of beers they've got then they want to make more out of it than maybe you thought they did so play to that and react yeah and it's a kind of skill you'll develop there where you'll you're just out of nowhere suddenly be able to pluck a different kind of beer or a reason why that's interesting or something like that or it's a rare, there's a rare beer up there but I wouldn't worry about that straight away but it's um that sort of brings us to that reincorporation piece that you were talking about and, and listen to what your players are coming up with and then think of ways to reuse that later and it doesn't have to be the overarching plot it's just a way of adding those little details that then make the session a little bit more memorable um, mm. I ran a game of Earthdawn over the weekend God's Own Game mm. and um, all the characters I picked were non-human because I thought it would be more interesting at a convention if you got to play something that wasn't a bog standard human uh, and out of nowhere it became that humans were the problem for everything and all the players suddenly got on this bandwagon of every time they met a human it's like oh gosh well everything's going to go wrong now it's one of them they had no idea what they're doing and it just became a thing uh, and I rolled with it and it was you know it was brilliant it just it was a recurring theme throughout the session I'd not planned it none of the players had come to the table expecting to do that it just occurred so anything like that where there's a bit of fun that the players seem to enjoy then have another reflection of that later on or give them the opportunity to have another talk about it at some later point and you'll seem like an absolute genius without actually having to do any of the work at all mm. yeah okay cool so there's quite a few things there um, I want to talk about some of the pitfalls so let's say you've taken our advice and you're going to run a game you've got some people you've got an idea for how it's all going to go um, and you've you managed to to get enough confidence to to make a start. Um, what are some of the pitfalls that that you see uh, GMs making, guys? And, and I'm I'm going to say straight away, you see GMs. I see GMs do this even if they've got ten years under their belt. That these pitfalls are called pitfalls for a reason. People can get stuff wrong. Um, I'll, I'll give you a starter for ten. Um, try not to play power games with your players because it's really easy to do it and you've got all of the elephants and you can <laughs> drop as many of them as you want on players all the time and they don't have any elephants but if it becomes you versus your players then that's not conducive to that that collaborative experience that role-playing games should provide way 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 back in the day in tournament dungeons that used to be a thing where you had to try and beat the gm which was a nonsense in itself because the gm had all of these elephants right but that, that, there's still a strand of that and, and don't succumb to that temptation to just be a dick to your players and just put stuff in front of them that's unbeatable, put stuff in front of them that just is there to make them feel stupid or look small. Provide challenges, provide dilemmas, provide obstacles, but you are your job is to lose every fight. And, <laughs> and it's worth saying that to yourself. Your job is to lose every single fight eventually. 
So, you know, you don't get out of that player mindset where you're trying to be victorious all the time because as a GM, you've already won. So your job now is to make everybody shine. That would be my number one pit. Yeah, I think that's just talking back to what you said earlier, isn't it, about being a fan of the player characters. So, you know, you want to put the player character in the spotlight and make sure that they win at stuff. Having overcome challenges and diversity, they shouldn't just have an easy ride, obviously, like you said. It's trying to make things seem like you're being adversarial sometimes I mean, I've quite often had players who are like you know laughing and going hi that was your favourite bad guy and I beat him and so like get really excited about it well that's good you know like I'm, I'm, I'm fine with that because I've divorced myself from the NPC you know that wasn't me trying to win as Gary that was the, the baddie NPC who got defeated there so it's probably worth bearing that in the back of your mind as well that sometimes the players might get a little bit adversarial away uh, laugh at the fearless dragon that you tried to put in front of them that they slaughtered easily that's all right. Don't take it personally. It's just something that happened, and you know, your adversaries are there to get beaten, like you say. So, probably one pitfall I've seen is that people can take it personally as a gem or think that they failed or mm. not provided enough fun, or people don't seem to be enjoying it and it's their fault. So, first of all, get that idea out of your head, and uh, again, as we said earlier on, try and work with the players to have some fun. And if something's not working or you're not sure if it's working have that conversation with people around the table you know you can have a break whenever you want it's got everything going all right guys anything you want to see different you know we're going fast enough are you all enjoying yourselves well you know just take a five at some point and check if you're not sure don't like spend a four-hour session absolutely panic about it and worried sick about whether you do the right thing or not take a break and ask people and make sure that everybody's still on board and we're doing the right stuff uh, abandon if you have to and come back for another session when you've uh, rejigged things a little bit and maybe get one or two new players or whatever it is you want to but I've seen a lot of games fail slowly over long periods of time because it's not working and nobody wants to say anything and it'll go on mm. for six, ten weeks, whatever and eventually crumble away so it might be that your first game doesn't go particularly well it might be that your first game's going really well it's just that you don't think it is because you've not had the experience before and you can't tell whether it is or not so always... um always give yourself more credit than you probably are and don't be frightened of stopping or taking stock at any point if you need to just to give yourself a little bit of a, an orientation on how things are going yeah which which actually feeds perfectly into a little pitfall that's a bit of a it's a bugbear of mine even after all these years is don't just give yourself a break literally give yourself a break give everybody a break like every couple of hours stop take a break Health and safety rules are there for a reason, and they don't really apply to to leisure activities. But they're still a really good idea. I wouldn't drive a car for more than two hours without stopping for a coffee and a wee, um, and and I concentrate far less on my driving than I do on my GMing. So <laughs> you know, it's not an endurance thing, for goodness' sake. And and it and it will be, you know, we could be quite intense at times. Um, and as the GM, you have fewer opportunities to coast. I would say it mm. depends if your group pick up an idea and fly with it maybe you can sit back but your brain will be going a million miles an hour especially in your early sessions take a break and during that break take the break some some games will stop for five minutes and um, the other people around the table they won't know they're doing that but they actually take that as a as a time to lobby the GM for like rules queries or like can we do this next or or this, that, or the other. If you have to be the person who goes to make the tea, do that. Get five minutes to yourself. Mm. Just settle, you know. Smoke them if you got them, if that's your thing, you know. But but actually, do take a break from the game because if it's just a pause and you're chatting about the game, you could be doing that. Is the game mm. talking about gaming is the game? So 
you you deserve a chance to charge your batteries up even if it's just for a couple of seconds and and um and take that and do that every couple of hours don't don't settle in for an eight hour session and never take a break you'll you'll die and your players won't thank you for that <laughs> there's no saving throws there is there no yeah i think it's um it's also worth noting that you can sort of you can sort of lose your relationship or balance of power with players as well sometimes you can feel a little bit like you are the arbiter of all decisions and have to say yes or no to everything and in mm. your quest to become the impartial GM the rulebook tells you to be you end up saying no to things that can't happen because the rulebook says they can't so it's yeah. worthwhile looking at opportunities when players ask to do something to say yes and that should be a sort of first port of call even if or especially if you can have a but or a yes and then this will happen kind of conversation so uh, you know, don't get people stuck on trying to break a door down or pick a lock if they can't do it, and that's the only way with the adventure. It's like there must, there's got to be other ways around that, or you let them do it, but let them know there's then a consequence for because they took too long doing it, or you know they've alerted the guards because they had to kick the door down because they couldn't pick the lock or whatever it is. So when you're doing your adventure, think of all the the yes, but yes and kind of things rather than just saying a flat no. Think of a way they can still get what they want but there's some consequence to it as well and what would that be is it more reinforcement mm. turns up is it that the, someone makes it off with half the treasure so there's not as much when they finally get into the treasure room you know there's myriad things you can think of and you could do all that sort of thinking in advance and say like if they fail at this point what would the consequence of that be without it actually meaning that then nothing happens because the worst thing that can happen in your games is nothing happening so whenever mm. possible try not to say no say yes and yes but or you can do it, but this will happen, and give them the choice of saying no if they want to back away from it. But like as a GM, your last point of call really is saying no to stuff. I mean, obviously there's things like when people want to just completely break the rules or do something ludicrous that doesn't make any sense in the game world that you're in. But generally speaking, try and be that guy who says yes rather than that guy who says no. Mm. Yeah, agreed. So um, next one for me, piece of advice is um, is set the tone. And what I mean by that is games will develop a tone if no one sets one. And that can be fine. Um, and if you're super comfortable, you know, it's a bit of an advanced technique in some ways, I suppose. But, you know, I'd recommend like having a discussion about what sort of game you want to have with everybody. But, you know what, we don't always have that luxury. And sometimes you just want to play D&D. But games will develop a tone. And I think, I'll be interested in your viewpoint on this, Gaz, actually, is if unaddressed, I think games can go gonzo. I think there's a natural tendency for them to start becoming a bit comedic and start becoming a bit Monty Python-esque um, or League of Gentlemen-esque, if you want a more modern reference. And and I, I see that happen with games quite a lot. So my advice would be is if you if you don't want that to happen, if you do want that to happen, knock yourself out. Uh, but if you don't want that to happen, set the tone by by simple things like you know if they meet a a peasant on the road and you're in a situation where you've got to think up a name for that npc don't call it bob just i know that sounds ridiculous but that's that's such a a red flag that you're not trying that hard anymore and you've decided that that you know you can't think of anything so you're going to call him bob well then don't be surprised if the next player action is to is to call their new wizard familiar bimble bumble and then that's just part of the campaign forever and and you, you haven't got any right to say oh man don't do that and before you know it you've got a comedy game and no one's taking it seriously 
and you should have fun in your game of course you should have fun i'm not even going to put that down as a rule that's ridiculous but it goes without saying but um but there, there's fun then it's, it's like how do we end up with this this heap of puerile crap mm. and it happens to the best of us it really does now i think you should set the tone i don't think you should necessarily have to police it all the time after that you know don't become a conversation cop let people cut loose a little bit but you know if if, if one of the players wants to call his familiar bimble bumble whew, that's that's a tough call for an experienced gm as well most of the time i'd say let it ride but they probably only did that because the tone wasn't set brilliantly in the first place. Yeah. So I'd say I'd say try some way of setting the tone, and sometimes it can be names. Sometimes it can just be the way that you describe your opening scene. Sometimes it can just be the way you address violence in the game. You know, what what do you think, guys? What do you think happens to games if that tone isn't set? Yeah, I think you're entirely right. I'm, I'm a bit cautious that we're trying to ask a new GM to set the tone for their game before they've started, which is a big ask, really. Sure, it um, is, yeah. But I totally get where you're coming from. I, I think games have a tendency to go gonzo anyway. I think, if anything, uh, people have a tendency, certainly after sitting down for a long period of time in the same place, to make things go a bit silly or to have a pressure valve release or say something stupid or make a whatever Monty Python, legal General, whatever reference, Doctor Who reference, whatever it might be just because that's socially what happens anyway in normal conversations every couple of hours someone says something daft or comes up with a stupid stupid comment or quotes something from a TV series or something else it's just a thing that happens and that is going to happen so again prepare yourself mm. that these things will go on but probably as a GM it's your job to try and think keep things a little bit more serious because they will tend to go more gonzo anyway so uh, even if you want the gonzo game I don't think you have to try very hard it will just naturally come out mm. with you and the guys you're playing with at the table that things will go that way to get things back again it's um, it's a show don't tell sort of thing you can do a little bit of like come on lads let's get serious uh, if you don't mind let's try and focus on the game again and that might mean taking a five minute break so we can get it out of the system and tell all the willy jokes or whatever else they need to do uh, but when you're back in show it through what happens during the game world so it could be that villager that you mention and you think need a better name than Bob but he might come up with some sub story about how the village has been burned down by orcs or whatever it might be and you you give that character something to say about the game world that's a little bit more serious than you thought before or you know if you can have something that relates to one of the characters as well even better do you know what I mean if they've had a 10 minute conversation with a barman last time in the village and you tell them that he's been slaughtered in his bed by the baddies you don't have to go that extreme maybe but it's to give you that idea that if you can make something personal for the player characters about something they cared about and something bad's happening to those things that can help things seem more serious than they would otherwise be mm. so think of ways of adding a bit of shade and making it personal to the characters to bring them bring characters into the game and bring the player characters into the game if you know what I mean but you know sometimes you get people who just want to mess about and eat pizza and that's you know fine for them if that's what they want to do and if you want to do it great if not you know, the nuclear option might be to find some other players who want to play a little bit more seriously maybe I don't know yeah yeah I mean uh, yeah and let's bring that up straight away um, again my recommendation is play with friends and if you're playing with strangers then become their friends and what I mean by that is at no point for by signing up to be a GM did you give permission for anyone to be rude or dickish or annoying even you don't have to put up with that stuff you know just because you've said you're the gm if after 20 minutes someone's being a douche that you, you are under no obligation to carry on playing with that person mm. at all and certainly not to come back week after week after week and do it so many comments do i see where people say i've got this player in my group 
and um yeah i just think uh, i feel sorry for those people because they're telling the internet rather than telling the person yeah um, because you know they're telling the wrong pe- the wrong crowd really it's it's a horrible thing you know not all people are nice the vast majority are but some aren't and some don't know how to behave in social situations and role playing games are the king of social situations in so many ways and everyone's got to rub along and and unfortunately as much as you're going to be the social secretary people do look to the gm to sort this stuff out they shouldn't but they do it's a reality and and my advice would be my strong advice would be get some help with this stuff enlist some allies there's loads of other grown-ups around the table and never ever 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 deal with players by dealing with their characters hmm. yeah you know yeah. you can deal with characters all day long but if someone's being a dick don't get their character thrown into prison because you know what they will not learn the lesson they won't even see the connection no don't even try that I'm afraid someone's got a man up and say to the person that's here around the table would you mind not doing that it's really stupid yeah <laughs> and, and uh, as you've said in less other people it's worth asking the people around the table as well if something's making you feel uncomfortable whether you do it out loud whether you pull people off to one side or whether you can just say are you guys alright with this or do you feel okay with this I'm feeling a little bit uncomfortable and just having that conversation honestly don't put yourself in a situation where you feel uncomfortable and don't feel like there's any way out if at any point you want to stop you can just stop and if you want to say the reason is sorry I'm not getting on with this or I'm not getting on with you you can do that as well if you want but you don't have to give a reason if you want to bail on your session and don't think it's working out just say you don't feel very well and you're going to have to knock on the head and get out of there correct on the flip side of all that that's a pretty rare occurrence I'd like to think Mm. but it could happen okay it could happen what's much more likely to happen honestly is that you have a game where at the end of it you think oh do you know what there was some good stuff in that but i tell you what some of it just fell a bit flat or it was a bit mediocre or i saw some people yawning i think that's the reality of what (laughs) what gms often actually see and all of us do so advice number one is don't sell all your books and melt your dice in the microwave off the back of one average session (laughs) um no it's fine you know, it's one. Of, this is one of those activities where people play for hours and hours at a time. I, I, I don't think there's much you can do for hours and hours at a time that is a constant state of ecstasy. <laughs> I, I don't think it's possible. So, and who would want that anyway? That would be madness. So, relax a little bit. Um, your next, your next session is going to be different. Your next adventure is going to be different. It's a constantly moving feast. Okay, if you've got some serious structural problem with your game, well, that's for a different podcast. But right now, get some hours under your belt and don't sweat it too mm. much. Really, don't sweat it. Try and get get your jollies out of it where you can. Try and insist that everybody joins in with having that good time, and and just see if everybody can agree to have a bit of a party with their party. And that's it. That should be the sum total of your ambition. It shouldn't be like the end of Game of Thrones season cliffhanger <laughs> with your first session. It's not going to be. So relax a little bit, okay? You know, set set yourself some goals, but those goals should be, was that okay? Did nobody die in real life? I'd, I'd count that as a win. <laughs> and then the next session, improve on that. Yeah, it's, it's worth giving yourself um, a few little notes as well. And I'm a critical person. People won't have noticed about me because I hide it so well. <laughs> but I do like critiquing things. But write yourself some notes, and it is easy to just write down all the things that you think went wrong or you need to do better uh, I would heartily recommend on that little notepad when you're jotting stuff down that you need to do for next time is you write stuff that did work well 
and you want to see more of or the players seem to really enjoy so you can do more of that stuff and also when you're reading through your own feedback you can give yourself a little pat on the back for the things that really did shine or you know people seem to really like and if you're a robust enough character there's no harm in asking for feedback off people I found it's particularly difficult to get good feedback sometimes people don't want to say and even if they didn't like a game people especially don't want to tell you uh, it can be the case but you can get good feedback off people or get the positives and say what did you enjoy about that game what do you want more of you don't have to do it all at once you don't have to do it in front of an entire group you don't have to do it face to face you can ask people to email you you could just have one of your favourite friends and say look Bob how do you think it went I think this was good and this needs a little bit of work what did you make of it and just get a bit of advice mm. about what they want to say and, and how they think it went because we've yeah. both had games we've discussed this before where we've, we've been through them it's been four hours of grueling convention time we've come out of the back like we've been through the ringer thinking like well that was a disaster I can't believe I've wasted my Saturday night doing that and then someone comes up at the end and shakes your hand and says it's the best role playing experience they've ever had in their life so there's just no telling like it's too easy to beat yourself up or just look at the critical things about your your own performance that you think might exist when they might not be there already or there might be loads of positives that you just didn't see because quite often when things go well it doesn't get talked about it's when things go badly that gets 10 times as much press coverage yeah yeah wise words mate so speaking of wise words I'll, I'll try and drop in a couple because I'm conscious of time mm -hmm. now so I'll just try to drop in a couple of little things to hopefully encourage people to give this a go so the first thing I would say is if you've ever been in a position where like you've got to give a best man speech <laughs> It's it can be really terrifying, yeah, and, and sometimes the longer you get to prepare, the worse it is. Um, and you can do loads of internet research, and you can try and get the best gags. And you might not be a natural speaker, but do you know what? The one thing to remember about doing stuff like that, and it works for GMing as well, is that everybody else in the room wants you to do really mm. well. They're all your supporter. Nobody shows up to a role playing game going, I hope this GM's rubbish. <laughs> and and as soon as they are, I'm gonna point it out and laugh. It just doesn't work like that. Okay, so that's that's advice number one is that everybody's on your side. The second thing is, you know, to pick another sort of real life example, it's a bit like, you know, doing your driving lessons and stuff like that. You you probably think if you if you don't know how to drive a car how on earth do people ever drive in London or Manchester or stuff like that or drive on a motorway it's absolutely crazy well it is crazy but then look at how many people do do that it's millions of people you know millions of people do what looks like an impossible thing from your perspective all the time so GMing is it can be done by anyone that yeah there are some skills and yeah there are some that will be more natural than others but it's something you learn it's not something you're born with you got to give it a go and no one's going to expect you to be like driving around Piccadilly Circus and doing handbrake turns on your first ever session mm. so give yourself a break and appreciate the fact that put a couple of hours into it try um, relax into it and just think yeah I'll be fine and let's see if we can have a laugh with this so go easy on yourself and it'll be great yeah absolutely and you'll get better with practice and the odd thing is with stuff like this is you won't notice you're getting better or more comfortable or more accomplished. The first time I sort of really noticed it myself is when I was doing Thai boxing and I've been going for months and months and I was still coming out there like a, a wreck, like I'd been putting a bag beaten with sticks and sweating my guts out and was nowhere near as good as all the other people there and couldn't understand why my performance was so poor. And then some new people joined and I thought, oh no, actually I'm quite good. And it's because when you're with people who have got the same skill level or different skill levels but all 
are doing the same practice, then you all progress at the same rate, and it's hard to see how well you've done compared to anyone else. So trust the fact that even if you feel 10 sessions in, you're not any better than you were after your first one. You are guaranteed to be better because you've put some hours in now and you've had some experiences and you've learned some lessons and you've picked up some tips and other things as well. So, yeah, don't be put off by your experiences. They'll give you a bit of life lessons and you'll just get better and you will be better. And it's not, not be till your little brother or someone like that picks up a game and tries to run something. You'll think, oh, you should be doing this or you should be doing that. And you think, oh, do you know what? I've learned some stuff I didn't realise. Mm. stick with it you'll yeah. just keep getting better at it like me and you still learn we still go and play someone's game yeah. we've never played in before and pick up a new trick or find something out or learn a new way of doing something or something we want to try out so it's it's all learning you just keep having more fun and getting more better as you go along cool and, and just one thing we'd ask of, of anybody listening in on this who's hopefully nodding along and maybe scribbling down some notes is do me one more thing do me and Gaz a favour let us know how it goes yeah mm. get in touch there's loads of different ways of doing that. We would absolutely love, love to hear of one person volunteering to run a game off the back of some of the nonsense that we've spouted today. If you've not run a game before, please give it a go. It's really, really, really not as hard as it looks. It's incredibly satisfying. You'd be joining a, a, a very glorious host of people who do stand up and GM games for other people. And, and without those, we haven't got role playing because it's the thing that you need for role-playing games as opposed to other forms of entertainment. You've, you've got to have GMs. So, you know, give it a go. Encourage someone else to give it a go. Pass this podcast along to someone in your group if you're a GM and you're fed up doing it every week. <laughs> Tell them to give it a go. And if all else fails, reach out to us. We'll come and play in your bloody game. So let's get some gaming going. Yeah, and as the two of us, we're allowed two final pieces of advice. <laughs> <laughs> My one's Don't to ask the, you're welcome, is that it? <laughs> my is to ask the favour that um if there is someone new or nervous or whatever, like you know, give them chance. Uh, and I think there's something we've advised saying that there must be new gems out there who want some players and are a bit nervous about it. So uh be a bit generous with your time if you can and if you're in a role playing club or something like that or you just know some people and you know someone who's talking about giving it a game and you don't necessarily want to play with them full time because you've got your own group or whatever else. But please be a bit generous uh, and allow yourself to be a guinea pig for some new GMs just to give them that first bite of the bullet and get them uh, off and running down the GM track. That's good advice. And with that good bit of good advice, oh, he actually stunned himself into silence. <laughs> Fantastic. All right. Listen, guys, thanks ever so much for listening. Please do get in touch through all the usual channels. You can find us on Twitter, on Facebook, on Google+, uh, or you can write us a letter and put a stamp in the corner if you like. Send it to Smart Party Towers. Care of Gaz please 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 do get in touch we'll do some more of this i think guys i think we've maybe just scratched the surface but you know let, let's let's see what our listeners have to say uh let's so let's wait for those comments and stories to come in um and then we'll react from there which is what all good gms should do yeah we're like making this into a an old magazine letters page aren't we we can get, we can get some letters in and then reply a month later i like this <laughs> uh so then until next time <laughs> <laughs> Retire to my fireside on the old issues of White Dwarf and Valkyrie. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everyone, and see you next time. Yeah, cheers. See you next time.